Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Father, we just thank you for all that's happened today in this service already, and we thank you for what you're doing here in Found Church. And Father, I just pray now that as I share your word, you'll speak through me, you'll help me, you'll, you'll use these words to encourage, challenge, and inspire people. And Father, I just pray that people will encounter you today and not me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible with you, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14, and I'm going to read through the first 11 verses from John 14. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Amen. Such great passages, some great verses there, and so much stuff we can pull out of there today. But as I continue on our series in the upper room with Jesus, The title of my message today is simply this, Asking the Obvious Questions, or Asking the Obvious Question. Can you imagine a world without questions? What if you were only able to give commands, or give statements, or give facts? No more marriage proposals. You want to ask how your friend is doing? Forget about it. Curiosity will be extinct test teachers and tutors, well, they'll be a thing of the past. And some, maybe some people are thinking that would be a good thing. Let me tell you, that would not be a good thing. No one can then creep out of ignorance. We'll be stuck with ignorance forever. A world without questions, well, that would be horrible. Questions are important. Questions help us to discover the right answers. And God wants us to think deeply about things, to, to, to think things through, just as Thomas did in this exchange with Jesus in the upper room. So let's have another look at this amazing exchange between Thomas and Jesus and see how that can apply to us today. So starting again at verse 1, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to, to where I am going. And that all sounds really nice to us who are Christians today. Why? Because we can look back on Jesus' death and resurrection, and we can see how Jesus has opened that door of heaven for all 
everyone who believes in Jesus. But listen to these words again, and imagine you're one of the disciples hearing them for the first time. And remember, Jesus is still alive. Jesus has not went to the cross yet. He's not been resurrected yet. And you're hearing these words for the very first time. Verse 2, it says, There is more than enough room in my father's home, or my father's house. And you're sitting there thinking, for the first time hearing this, very good, Jesus, but where exactly is my father's house? That wasn't a name that the Jews in Jesus' time would have used for heaven. The Jews were too much in awe of God to even use his name. Only Jesus dared to refer to God as my father. So my father's house wouldn't mean anything to the Jews hearing that for the first time. Plus, God's house or or the Lord's house would have only one meaning to them, and that would be the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus himself uses the word house in that sense when he's driving the money changers out of the temple, and we read this in Matthew 21. It says, the Scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And the only other time that Jesus used the phrase, my father's house, it was when he was a little boy, if you remember that story, and he went to the temple, and he stayed there, and his parents went back to look for him, and they could not find him. And then when they went back and found him, Jesus said, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be my father's house? And when he said father's house, that definitely referred to the temple. So here in the upper room, we find Jesus talking about his father's house. And all the disciples are just sitting there, listening quietly, probably not understanding a word of what Jesus was saying. And then Jesus goes on, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And I can just imagine the disciples sitting there thinking, okay, Jesus, a place in the father's house? Does that mean a room for each of us in the temple? It sounds a bit weird, Jesus, but tell us more. And in verse 3, Jesus says, I will go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, and that you also may be where I am. So here we have Jesus. He's going to go and travel somewhere, and he's going to arrange somewhere for a dozen or so rooms for all the disciples. And then he's going to get to come back, and the disciples are going to get together, and they're going to go with him. Fine, no problem, Jesus. We don't really need to know where this place in his father's house is, because we know Jesus is going to come and take us there. And then Jesus says this in verse 4, you know the way to the place where I am going. And one, of the, one or two of the disciples, I imagine, might have been looking a bit puzzled by this point. Yes. Most were probably, do you know that way you get? You're sitting in a meeting and you're still politely nodding your head, pretending to look wise, not wanting to, to, to let on that you really don't have a clue about what's happening around about you. So they're sitting there nodding their heads, not really having a clue what Jesus is talking about. And then then it's at this point that Thomas, Thomas pipes up, verse 5, No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? It's almost like Thomas is saying, Hang on a minute, Jesus. You've totally lost me here. Your father's house? Where's that? The temple in Jerusalem? Is it there or is it somewhere else? What on earth are you going on about, Jesus? And I don't think Thomas was being awkward or obtuse or even being especially thick here. I think that he was the only disciple brave enough to ask the question which was on everybody else's lips at this point as well. Because he really wanted to understand. He wanted this vital truth spelled out so he could make sense of it. Just exactly where is Jesus going? 
What was this place Jesus would take them to so that they could be with him? And out of that question comes one of the most significant and profound statements in the whole of Scripture. And if Thomas never asked his question, how do we know? Then I don't know if Jesus would have given him this answer. And in verse 6, Jesus told them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, his father's house that Jesus is talking about, it's not the temple. It isn't a physical place in the slightest. To be in the father's house means to be in the very presence of God. Jesus himself is the way there, the truth and the life, and the only way that any one of us can come to God, and that is through Jesus. And I read that, and I think about the implications of that, I think it's a good job that Thomas asked that question. See, it's okay with God if we want to understand things. Even if everybody else in the room is nodding as if they understand every single word, even if everybody else does understand, if you don't, it's okay to be the one to ask that awkward question. It's okay to demand answers. See, some people talk about blind faith, and for some people, faith means believing things that you know aren't true. But that concept of faith, let me tell you, is so mistaken. Faith simply means trusting God, putting our trust in God's love and justice and His justice and His almighty power, relying on God not to deceive us or to let us down. That kind of confidence of God is never, ever blind faith. Never. Let me tell you, faith is allowed to ask questions. Faith is allowed to demand answers. Faith is allowed to ask for evidence. Faith is even allowed to ask for proof. And many of us, and I meet people who, who they're cautious about asking questions, particularly about faith. And I think to myself, is that a good approach to faith? Perhaps it's a good approach for blind faith, but that's not what Jesus wants for us. Faith is living in the tension between two realities. What we experience in our fallen, sinful, broken world, and what we know to be true about the kingdom of God. Faith is living in between these two realities. And from what I see and read in Scripture, let me tell you, Jesus loved a good question. And I've met Christians before that that have been taught that it's wrong to question, it's wrong to ask questions. But I would disagree with that totally. I would say that having questions is extremely important. Why? Because we will not possess the answers unless we first possess the questions. Questions lead to an understanding, and understanding leads to a deeper faith. Probably the most crucial thing that you and I can do to develop a stronger faith, a stronger faith in God, is to ask lots of questions. That is why I love the Alpha Course. That is why I love life groups. I love the Alpha Course. You can come and you can ask any question you like about the Christian faith. It does not matter how obscure it is. And let me tell you, I've led some Alpha Courses with some obscure questions. Uh, That's good. Bring your questions why? Because the truth will always rise to the top. And same with life groups. If you're sitting in your life groups and you have a question and you're sitting there thinking, I'm not going to ask this question because everybody else looks like they understand, ask the question. Ask the question. If you don't ask the question, you'll never get the answer. And hopefully, your life group leader will tell you the answer. And if they don't, they'll phone me and Michael tomorrow. But ask the question. Ask the question. Do you know that there's in the Gospels, there are 80 separate instances where people brought their questions to Jesus. 
He spent more time asking and answering questions than he ever did preaching and healing. Jesus loved a good question. See, knowing that Jesus loved questions is good news. Because I think a lot of us have the wrong idea about questioning the teaching of the Bible. Too many of us have been taught that it's wrong to question anything the Bible says. That we should just accept everything and not ask why or how. Too many have been told that faith means just believing in something. Even if it means, and it makes no sense in the slightest. And I've, I've seen a sign and I've even seen a social media post that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And whilst there's a lot of truth in that statement, that statement also really irritates me at the same time. And here's why. Jesus always listened. Jesus always responded. And Jesus even rewarded people who came to him with honest questions. The God said that I believe it, that settles it mentality, that's just blind acceptance. And it makes it seem as if God is not interested in any sort of dialogue with you and with me. And let me tell you, that could not be further from the truth. That's not how a relationship works. And it's important to remember, though, that not all questions are created equal. See, when you read through the Bible, most of the people who encountered Jesus were either attracted or repelled by what he said and who he claimed to be. For some, Jesus represented hope. And for others, he was a threat to their image, a threat to their position, and a threat to their lifestyle. And the questions that people ask, let me tell you, the questions that people ask reveal a lot about the person. When I look at the questions that people ask in the Bible, I see some of them, they seek in kind of clarifying questions that, that, that they asked of Jesus. And here's a few examples of what I mean. How many times should I forgive someone? If something bad happens to you, is that God punishing you? Is wealth a sign that God is happy with you? Why do you keep speaking in parables? What do they have to do with us? How can anyone accept what you're teaching? It's a lot to swallow. And every single one of these questions, when they were asked, all of them led to a deeper understanding of Jesus and a deeper understanding of his kingdom. Every one of them. Jesus responded to all of them and gave the person much more understanding. But there's also a few of the more kind of defensive questions for Jesus, and they were asked mostly by the religious leaders of the day. Questions like, why don't you follow our rules and traditions? Why don't you care about what people are saying about you? Do you realize that you're offending the religious people around here? Who said you could heal people on the Sabbath? Who gave you the right? And these spiritual know-alls, none of them asked the questions because they were seeking to understand They were not open-minded. They were always trying to catch Jesus out on something or find a flaw in what Jesus was trying to say. They'd already decided that Jesus was wrong, and they were looking for a way to prove it. Hence, their questions. And in some cases, they just didn't like what he was saying because they knew that it was true, and it challenged their, their way of life. They really didn't want to change anything in their own lives. So let me say, is it okay to ask questions? You bet it is. But remember, to take stock of your intent for the question. Are you asking with an open heart because you're seeking understanding? Or are you asking a defensive question in order to justify an attitude that you don't intend to change? If understanding were were to require repentance in your life, when you understand, a good question seeks understanding and reveals a teachable heart. But let me give you a cautionary word of warning. While it's okay to to have and to ask questions, we have to be careful that those questions 
Don't become doubts in our minds. Don't let the questions become doubts. Hebrews 4.16 reminds us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace with whatever is on our minds or in our hearts. God desires that we seek to know Him better. When our minds find confusion in the world or even in the Bible, we can always turn to Him for answers. While He might not give us an immediate or clear answer, He will give us peace while we're waiting for that clearer understanding. So questions are good, but don't let your questions turn to doubt. And contrary to the humanistic view where that doubt is essential to life, the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says that doubt is a destroyer of life. James 1, 5-8 tells us that when we ask God for wisdom, we are to ask in faith without doubt. If we doubt, doubt God's ability to respond to our, our request, what would be the point of asking in the first place? Let me tell you, if somebody came and asked for prayer for healing and you were doubting, what's the point of even praying? Why would you even pray if you were doubting that you could heal? I'm believing every time. It might not always answer, but every time I'm believing and I'm trusting, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray every time. God says that if we doubt while we ask, we will not receive anything from Him. Why? Because we're unstable. James 1 and 6 says, He who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Let me tell you, God is sovereign in everything. And His will and His ways, let me tell you, they are perfect. Therefore, we must not doubt things, doubt the things that He allows or that He brings about in our lives or in the world. Instead, when we lack understanding or when uncertainty, fear, or worries arise, we must choose to trust Him. We must always choose to trust Him. Second Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. God in His grace has revealed himself to us since the beginning of time when he walked in the garden. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 3. And as time con- continued, he revealed more of himself through his chosen people, the law given to them and a sacrificial system that made it possible for them to come to know him. And then through the prophets, God told of his purpose and plan and he gave miracles, signs and wonders to reveal his working in their lives. And then finally, God revealed himself then and now through His Son and in His written Word. And as we grow in grace and knowledge, we will have many questions. But God created us with minds that can reason, and God told us that He will help us to reason. Read about that in Isaiah chapter 1. And we can see an example of this so well in the prophet Habakkuk. See, observing sin all around the world, all around them, Habakkuk, he had many questions. He did not understand what God was doing, why things were the way they were, and why it appeared as if God was not judging the sins of his people. And like other prophets to whom God spoke and then they prophesied to people, like them, Habakkuk questioned God. Habakkuk's name means to wrestle or embrace. And the book that bears his name accurately reveals the tension that we all experience in our lives when we wrestle with unanswered questions. And we try to embrace the revelations of God in His Word. Habakkuk asked four questions that we all have. God, where are you when I need you? In chapter 1. Why do bad things happen to good people, God? Still in chapter 1. Why do good things happen to bad people? Chapter 2. God, will I make it through this trial? In chapter 3. We all ask these questions. All of us ask these kind of questions at some point in our life. 
But God, in his patient kindness, he graciously responds to Habakkuk's questions. And Habakkuk went from questioning God to trusting God. From Habakkuk, we can learn three important principles that we should remember when we have questions of God. And the first was this, God's ways are not our ways. And we will never, ever fully understand everything. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. If we understood everything, we'd be God. We would be God. Secondly, God is sovereign and His purpose and plans are perfect. He's sovereign. He rules over all and His purpose and plans are perfect. Ecclesiastes 3 1 says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And in Psalm 18 verse 30 it says, As for God... His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. Thirdly, that we can learn from Habakkuk is that God is faithful and true, working all things together for our good and His glory. In Romans 8.28, one of my favorite verses, and we know that in all things, God has been called for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So it's good to bring questions to God. Why? Because God loves us, and God wants us to understand His will and His ways. He wants us to know Him better and love Him more. Jesus, Paul, and Peter, they all confirmed this. Questions are a good thing, but doubts are not. Questions are asked for answers or clarification when information is complete. Doubts, well, they're just just conjectures or their conclusions. Questions asked of God always indicate a desire to know God better, understand His will and His ways. Doubting indicates a lack of belief and, sadly, a failure to trust. See, the prophet Habakkuk, well, he took many questions to God, but God did not fully answer all of his questions. Rather, instead of answering his questions, he reminded Habakkuk of who he is. Habakkuk's circumstances did not change, but his heart changed, and his mind was renewed and trusting in God. Habakkuk still did not understand what God was doing, and he could, and he, but he, he could trust God, though, knowing that He is just, knowing that He is faithful. And with stronger faith and trust in God, what does Habakkuk do? Even with these unanswered questions, Habakkuk worshipped. Habakkuk worshipped, and he says these amazing words in verse 3. Remember, he's asked these four questions that we all ask, that we all ask. And he says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He could say that with his unanswered questions. When we don't get answers to our questions, and we don't understand what God is doing, we must choose to remember who God is, that He is acting according to His goodness and in His perfect ways and His perfect timing. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. We should also always remember that the work that He has already begun in us, that He has promised to complete in us. Therefore, we don't need to know all the answers to our questions. We just need to choose to trust Him. Just choose to trust Him. So is it okay to ask God questions? Absolutely, yes. Bring your questions to God and then wait upon Him. Bring your questions and wait on the Lord. Wait reverently, wait expectantly, wait faithfully, knowing and trusting that He is sovereign, that He is faithful, and that He is true. Psalm 27 and verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Don't make answers a substitute for faith. 
understanding, not getting answers to your questions, can at times be a great blessing. Too often when we have the answers, what do we do? We trust in the answers. But without answers, we learn to trust God. And the book of Job is another great example of trusting God when we don't know why things are happening. Job did not understand why he was afflicted with such great pain and sorrow from really unforeseen circumstances. And Job never ever got an answer to his why questions. Instead, God pointed Job to the who answer, to the who answer rather than the why question. God revealed himself to Job when the band can come and reminded Job of his faithfulness. And Job learned to trust God in all things. It might not always be apparent how or when God answers your questions or why He answers as He does. But let me tell you, you can choose to have faith and you can choose to trust, knowing that God hears your every question. And in His love and faithfulness, He will respond. But He will respond in His way, according to His will and in His perfect time. Do you know, I've seen too many people who, who... who have journeyed with Jesus for a long time. God has done amazing things in their life and they have a question. Something happens and they ask the why question and they don't get an answer. And what do they do? They forget. They forget about all the benefits and the blessings and the goodness of God in their life and they focus in on the non-answer to that one question and they walk away. And they walk away. Don't let your questions turn to doubts. It's the worst thing we can do. It's good and proper to have questions, but we need to have faith and trust, knowing that God hears every single question. And in His love and in His faithfulness, He will respond. But He'll respond in His way, according to His will. And He'll respond in His perfect time. And I've had to settle in my heart that some of my questions, I'll not know the answer until I get to heaven. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Because I see the blessings of God in every other area of my life. So I can journey through struggling with the answers, but that doesn't define me, doesn't define my faith, knowing that God will tell me and God will answer in His perfect way, His perfect time. I can look back and I can be encouraged. The Bible tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He remembered the good things that God had done in his life. So when your questions start turning into doubts, remember and praise Him, worship Him for all the good things that He's done in your life up to that point. Don't let your questions become doubts and then you walk away from the best thing that's happening in your life. Can I encourage you? Questions are brilliant. Questions are good. Keep asking questions. When you ask questions, you'll grow in your knowledge and your understanding of your faith. You'll grow in your knowledge and understanding of Jesus. And you'll go deeper than you've ever went before with Jesus. And He will do incredible things in you, through you, for you, and with you. But when you don't get the answers that you're... Even sometimes we get answers and we don't like the answer and we focus in on that answer and we, we get annoyed with God and we say no no I'm not accepting that give me a different answer what we're really saying is God I want you to answer it the way that I want it to be answered we're not trusting in God and his perfect plan so don't let the answer sometimes derail your faith it's so important too many people have questions and it's good to have questions I would absolutely yes question every day but when you have the doubts don't throw away your faith don't throw away your faith. And I'd love to pray for everybody in a minute, but I want to ask you a question. You see, Jesus asked us, Jesus asked us lots of questions in his word, but I think the most important question that Jesus asked of his disciples and he asked of us today is when he asked the question, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Let me tell you that, the answer to that question 
has eternal implications for all of us. For all of us. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he your saviour? Is he the one that you look to? Is he, he the one that's made you a brand new creation because of what he did on that cross as we heard during communion? Jesus would love for you to respond to that question by saying, hey, Jesus, you're the, you're the saviour. You're the one that I need in my life. I need you today. And you can respond to that question simply by praying and admitting that you need Jesus in your life today. And maybe you've never ever asked Jesus to come into your life before. You've never ever answered that question in a way that says, Jesus, I want you to be Lord in my life. I recognize that you are God and that you love me. And if that's you today, I would love to pray for you to meet Jesus today. And with every single head bowed and every single eye closed, no one is going to be looking apart from me, not one person. This is between you and Jesus. And if you're watching online, you can respond to this question too. Who do you say Jesus is today? Is he Lord and Savior in your life? He would love to be. And while every head's bowed and every eye closed, I just want to encourage you today, if you would like me to pray for you today to meet Jesus for the first time, to admit that you need Jesus in your life today because you have questions that are needing answered and he would love to, to get to know you better and answer your questions. And if that's you today, I just encourage you to pop your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. We'll get the stuff to help you. If you're watching online, you can scan that QR code. Give us your details and we will be in touch this week. Is anybody here that says, Stephen, pray for me today? No one's looking. Just me. Father, I just want to thank you today that we can ask our questions. Father, I thank you today that you welcome us to bring every single question, that we can come boldly before your throne of grace, Father. We can come confidently to you, knowing that you will listen, knowing that you will hear our prayers, you will hear our questions. And Father, I thank you today that you will answer our questions, but you will answer them in the way that you think is appropriate. You will answer in your love and your faithfulness, and that you will respond in your way according to your will and in your perfect time. And Father, I pray for anyone today who has questions, who are struggling because they're not getting answers. And Father, I pray today that those questions will not turn into doubt, that they'll continue to have faith in you. They can look back over their life and realize how good you have been to them, how good you have been in their life, and they will remember and they will worship like Habakkuk did, that they will worship you, even though they have those questions. And Father, I pray for all of us today that our questions will not turn to doubt and that we will not start to, to, to walk away or look away or look to the things of the world when we have those doubts. But we will keep our focus firmly fixed on you today. And so Father, I pray you'll help us to do that and you will be answering people's questions today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.